welcome to Coastal. Um, I have a couple of announcements I want to give to you this morning. Uh, the first one, again, LVR camp on the 22nd. The deadline's been extended. Um, so make sure that if you have a high school and middle school student, you sign them up before then so you can get a good deal on summer camp. But it's going to be incredible. And then also next Sunday on the 22nd is the parent meeting for that at 5 p.m., um, if you have any questions on that, you can email Pastor Aaron. It's right there in your bulletin as well. Um, and then one of the most incredible ways that we get to develop authentic followers of Jesus Christ is through serving. And again, church, I really want to challenge you as we've just co um, come through a short winter, um, a spring, and now we're in summer in Virginia— and we don't know what's going to happen next week with the weather, but as we step into summer, um, I want to challenge you, if you haven't yet found a place to serve, that this would be the time that you test drive one of our ministries here to be a part of at the church. In fact, there's a couple different areas that we're praying for that God will provide more volunteers. Uh, one of those is our kids' ministry over the summer. It's such a great place, again, to test drive for 90 days. Um, also, we're praying for some more bass players specifically for our worship team. So if any of those areas, if you feel like you can serve in that, man, we're praying that you would step up into that. But any area as well you want to test drive over the summer would be incredible. And then I have one more just announcement and a prayer request. Um, Pastor Hunter is getting married next Saturday. Um, so we're, we're just really excited just to um, celebrate with them as he marries his fiance, bride, Sarah Douglas. So just keep them in prayer as they step into this new season of life. Um, today we're getting a brand new series called Authentic. Again, it is our mission here at Coastal to develop authentic followers of Jesus Christ. But what does the word authentic mean? Merriam-Webster's dictionary says that authentic means to be worthy of acceptance or belief. Not false or an imitation, but real. Not false, but real. Not false, but true. But does it seem like it's more and more difficult nowadays to live authentically or even to see the truth? In a world that's filled with deep fakes and people sending out emails saying that they're your long-lost cousin from Africa who was a prince just passed away. And if you just send in your social security number and some other verifying details, you're going to get 1000 million billion hundred dollars from this relative that you didn't even know that you had? How can you live authentically in a world where you get calls from the FBI and the IRS? Anybody else get those calls? Saying that you have some sort of unpaid bill, and if you don't pay that bill, uh, they're going to come back and take your children and all of your pets. Or what about how we live in a world with social media, where people use all sorts of filters and angles to show this is my authentic life? When all they're showing on social media are their highlight reels. But behind the scene, they might be experiencing more brokenness than they're putting out on social media. What about how everyone right now is an expert? They read a post or they read one paragraph in a news article, and now they're sharing that information like it's gospel. They're sharing that information like it is truth. But what they're really doing is maybe they're spreading some more disinformation. 
How can we live authentically in a world where people peddle disinformation like it's real, like it's truth? In his book, Live No Lies, uh, author and pastor John Mark Homer, he, he notes that during the Cold War, Cold War, the Russian government coined the term desinformatia, which we currently use in our vocabulary, the word disinformation. He knows that the KJB began to flood the world with lies and half-truths and would even put spies in high-level forms of media, government positions, entertainment, particularly during the Cold War, to push their agenda, but also to throw off our equilibrium for trying to discover what the truth is, really to drain our energy. Gary Kasparov, who was this former chess player, and he was, he was from Russia, and he wanted Russian democracy to happen. He was an advocate for it, but now he lives in exile in Croatia. He said this. He says, the point of modern propaganda isn't only to misinform or to push an agenda. It is to exhaust your critical thinking to annihilate truth. Searching for truth right now in our culture can be so exhausting. But how many of you know that this annihilating of truth, this making the search for truth so exhausting, isn't just by the schemes of men, but it's something more nefarious, something even more evil or trying that Scripture points out. In fact, in James chapter 3, James says, Look, if you, if you have bitter jealousy— and selfish ambition in your hearts. Do not boast and be false to the truth. This is not the wisdom that comes down from above, but it is earthly, it is unspiritual, it is demonic. Jesus even said to the Pharisees who entered this season where they were peddling their own propaganda of legalism and even cutting out certain people saying that only if they could approve them would they enter into God's kingdom, pushing out their own agenda. Jesus said to the Pharisees in John chapter 8, he says, You are of your father the devil, and your will is to do your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth. Because there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks out of his own character. For he is a liar and the father of lies. We have a real enemy who wants to fill our lives with lies. And sometimes we think it's the big lies out there that the world believes. Sometimes we think it's the big lies that God isn't real, Jesus wasn't a real person who lived here on earth, or there's nothing that's going to happen after this life here on earth is over. But the, for the person who has trusted Christ, you, we don't often believe those big lies right there out in culture. But see, we might believe those smaller lies, those lies that the enemy tries to whisper into our ears— or those lies that are spread throughout culture that we sometimes soak in. Lies like, your, your husband is going to be just like your dad. He will cheat on you like your dad cheated on your mom. You can't trust him. Or kids in the room, your, your, your parents really don't know what's best for you. They don't really care about you. Your parents don't know what's going to happen to you. In fact, they don't really love you. You know what's best. Or lies like that illness that you have, it's never going to go away. It's always been this way. Does God really care about you if you felt this way for your entire life? You're always going to be sick. 
Or what about you sinned again? It's okay. Everyone struggles with it. So God is okay with it. In fact, he was the one who made you this way. It's okay. He's, his number one goal for you is for you to be happy. So that is what God wants for you. We just read two weeks ago in John chapter 14 where Jesus said, Look, I am the way, the truth, and the life. But how can we live that way? How can we live in truth right now where our current culture, when the father of lies has pushed lies so deep into the culture that it is exhausting even to try to find out what the truth is? How can we live in the world but not of the world? How can we live authentically? The Apostle Paul will give this reminder in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, where he says, For though we walk in the flesh, we are not waging war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but have divine power to destroy strongholds. We destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God and take every thought captive to obey Christ. Every single lie that the enemy tries to push into culture, that tries to seep into our, li our lives, man, God wants us to be able to see what those opinions are that are against his will. And he wants us to take those thoughts captive and submit them to Christ. Christian counselor and author, author Jenny Allen, she, she looked at this verse and she gave a couple of different ways that we can process the truth, the lies that are in culture, and submit our thoughts to Christ. I want you to write these down. Three questions that we can ask to be able to take our thoughts and submit them to Christ. The first question is, what's the lie? What's the lie that we're believing right now, whether that's from the enemy himself, whether that's from culture, whether that's even from our own sinful desires. What's the lie? And then what's the truth? What has God said in his word? What do we know to be true from his word? And then what's the choice? Because we always have a choice. John chapter 8, Jesus says, Look, if, if you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples, and you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. Jesus said, if, which means that there is a choice to believe what is true, to abide in him, to trust the truth, to make the choice to do that, or to make the choice to do the opposite. Today, as we start this new series called Authentic, we're about to do a deep dive as a church into this study in the book of James. And James wants to show us that he was somebody who once denied the truth. But now that he believed that Jesus is the truth, it has truly set him free. But not only that, James shows us that we, don't, we need to be people who really do walk the, walk the walk, but we also talk the talk. We really live out what it is that we believe. Because church, every action we take in life says something about what we believe about Christ. Truth-filled thinking centered on Christ leads to living in freedom centered on Christ. And today I want to point out one of the biggest lies that we can believe even after meeting Jesus, but see, James shares with us the truth. But even in that church, you always have the choice to take a step into authentic living in Christ. I'm really excited for this series, so I hope you guys are ready too, okay? Turn with me to James chapter 1. 
And we're going to start in James chapter 1, verse 1. We're going to read just the first four verses today. James chapter 1, starting in verse 1. It says, James, a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ, to the twelve tribes in the dispersion, greetings. Count it all joy. My brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds, for you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. And let steadfastness have its full effect, and yet you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. I know we prayed several times in this service already, but I just want to take a moment and pray again before we see the lie that we believe, the truth that God gives us, and the choice that we can make. So let's pray one more time. Father, again, Lord, we thank you so much for your word. And God, I know that the father of lies is out there. We're spreading all sorts of disinformation about who you are and what it is you've called us to be. But I pray, God, that you would help us to see what those lies are. And once again, Lord, you would show us your truth. And help us, Lord, to make the choice to walk in your way. Help us, Lord, to make the choice to follow you and trust you even when it's difficult, even when everyone else is saying something different, God. Help us, Lord, to trust you and to follow you. God, we want to take every single thought captive and submit it to Christ. So even right now, God, I pray that you would search our hearts. God, you would know our hearts. Lord, I pray that you will reveal to us anything in us that's grievous against you, any lie that we believe. God, help us to confess and help us, Lord, to walk in the way everlasting. Help us, Lord, to make the choice to follow you and to trust you again. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, from what's the lie? The first one here, number one, what's the lie? When you follow Jesus, there are no trials, and everything will work out the way that I want. When you follow Jesus, there are no trials, and everything will work out the way that you want. Church, I I just want to take a moment to camp out here for a moment. Because I, I almost think if I were to walk around to many of you sitting in this room, I know many of you have been walking with Jesus for so many years. And if I were to ask you, do you believe the lie that when you follow Jesus, everything's going to work out the way you want, and you're never going to face any trials? I think most of you would say, absolutely not, Andrew. I don't believe that lie. In fact, I know Jesus said in John chapter 16, verse 33, that in this world you will have many troubles, but you can take heart because I've overcome the world. You probably even have this verse in James tattooed somewhere on you because you know he says, count it all joy when you go through trials. You would say, there's no way in the world I will believe that lie, that things are always going to work out the way that I want, and I'm never going to face any trials. So why is it then, when a trial comes into our life, when a tough season comes into our life, when we face seasons of temptation, why is it that we act like we believe this lie? Why is it when we face tough times or or temptations, or painful seasons, why is it we automatically think, God, why me? Why am I going through this? Why is this happening to me again? Why do we act like we do if we do not believe this lie? 
And especially for those who are followers of Jesus, I think sometimes we still even believe the lie that bad things shouldn't happen to good people. Because we are good now, right? We're following Jesus, so I shouldn't have to walk through anything painful, anything hard in this life. In fact, as a pastor, I've noticed that so many times when people go through a tough season, there are some people who will lean into their faith like they never have before. Man, they'll trust Christ like they never have before. But I've also noticed there are people who have trusted Jesus that when a trial comes, they'll stop praying. When a trial comes, they'll, they'll stop confessing or talking to their small group or their accountability partners. They'll stop reading God's word. They'll stop going to their small group. They will even stop attending church. And if we don't believe this lie, why do we take steps away from God when tough times or trials come across our way? See, we start to believe those lies as we step away and we start to even believe like, would God really make me suffer this way? We start to believe God, God really only wants to make me happy, right? That's all he wants from me is happiness. And what I'm feeling right now, this ain't happiness. We start to believe that God wouldn't let us be tempted in this way. And if this wasn't okay, then, then why am I struggling with this sin? In fact, God has only said, right? God has only said that he wants his favor to be upon you and your children and their children and their children. Come on, there's even a song about that. Isn't the only thing that God wants for me is favor and his blessing? Those little lies can lead to big steps away from Christ. Again, church, if we don't believe this lie, then why do we act like it when trials come across our way? Now that's the lie, but here's the truth. The truth is when you follow Jesus, trials are actually a sign that he's doing a good work in you. When you follow Jesus, trials are actually a sign that he's doing a good work in you. Listen again to James chapter 1 and verse 2 going into verse 4. James says, look, count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. For you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. And let steadfastness have its full effect. See, when looking at the truth of trials, James says, look, God will lead you through many trials. God is actually going to lead you through many trials. Church, I, I, I want you to help me to get this truth down deep into our minds, okay? So I want you to turn to the person sitting next to you. I want you to look them in the eye. And I want you to say to them, you will go through many problems. Now turn to the person who's your second choice and say, you too, okay, you too. If you have an analog Bible or a paper, paper Bible, okay, I want you to circle these words in that verse. Because notice that James says, when. Not if, but when. He says, when you meet trials, I want you to circle the word trials, because notice that it's plural. It isn't one, it isn't two, it's multiple. And I want you to circle the word various kinds. 
various kinds of trials, multiple levels of trials, many times even after you trust Christ. In fact, he says, my brothers, talking about the brethren, uh, the brethren, the people who follow Jesus, saying, look, you are the ones who are going to go through multiple, various, many trials. In fact, the word trials in the original language is the word perosmos, which means an unwelcome or unexpected experience. And James could be referring to trials in general. Uh, he could be referring to anything from temptations that we will face, all kinds of hardships, including persecution for the faith. So anything that is unwelcomed or unexperienced is what's referenced here when it's talking about the word trials. So he's pointing that the believer in Jesus will go through various trials, will even suffer persecution for their faith, but also face many different seasons of difficulty. When looking at the truth of trials, James also said that God will lead you to find the joy in the trial. He will also lead you to find the joy in the trial. And again, this isn't looking at, looking at something tragic or painful happening in our lives and thinking, yippee, I'm so excited that I'm going through this. But it's looking at the outcome of the trial, knowing that God is good and he does have something good planned for you. That even as you go through the trial on the other side, God does have something good planned for you. Last week we talked about how Jesus is praying for us right now and how he prayed for us when he was here on earth and how he's praying for us right now in heaven. In fact, in John chapter 17, Jesus says, Look, I'm coming to you now, Father, and these things I speak in the world, that they may have my joy fulfilled in themselves. That was right before he was about to go to the cross. So what is this joy that he's talking about? The writer of Hebrews gives us some more insight in Hebrews chapter 2, where he says to us, he says, Look, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith, for the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God, Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. The joy is found when our eyes are fixed on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our, our faith, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. And Jesus said, for the joy set before him on the other side of the cross, when he resurrected from the dead, conquering sin and death and the grave, paying the price for our sins. He looked at that, going through the pain, that there was joy on the other side. And it was going to bring joy to his children. And he's saying the same thing to us. That even though we are going to go through trials, we need to count it as joy. Because on the other side, there is joy. On the other side of the pain, there is purpose. God is leading you through whatever it is you're going through. He is going to see you through. See, the truth of trials, James is also trying to let us know that God will lead you to persevere through the trial. He says in verse 3, For you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness, and let steadfastness have its full effect. Church, I had to share with you again Romans chapter 5, verses 3 through 5. Whenever I'm going through trials 
or a season of testing or temptation or pain, I'm often reminded about what the Apostle Paul said to remind myself that even during this trial, even though something painful is happening again, God is doing something even in the middle of it. And he says, not only that, in Romans chapter 5, verse 3, he says, but we rejoice in our sufferings. We can still count it all joy, knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope. And hope does not put us to shame, because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. Then the author of Hebrews in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 7, he says, Endure hardships as discipline. God is treating you as his children. For what children are not disciplined by their father? If you are not disciplined and everyone undergoes discipline, then you are not legitimate, not true sons and daughters at all. You know, the word discipline there in the original language is the word paideia which simply means to train. In fact, this verse could literally say, endure hardships as training. Training by our Heavenly Father will help us persevere in this life. How many of you have children? Raise your hand up. Raise your hand up if you have children, okay? Um, How many of you at some point, you were a child? Okay, you were a child. Raise your hand up. Uh, Some of you didn't raise your hand. Please talk to me after the service, okay? For those of you who have children, or for those of you who were children, when a parent disciplined their their child, I'm not talking about abuse, okay? God is against that. But when a parent disciplines their child in a loving way, the way that God tells us to, it is to help them, not to hurt them. It is to help them mature. It is to help train them how to make it through things in life. In fact, one of the things we tell our kids all the time when we are disciplining them, we tell them, look, we're, we're not trying to hurt you. We're only trying to help you. In fact, I made up a song about it that I sing to the kids. I'm not going to sing it this morning because you guys have been too critical of my songs lately. I'm not going to sing it, but they get so annoyed at that song every time we sing it to them when we're giving them a consequence for something foolish that they did. Or simply trying to remind them. They know every single word in that song. But we tell them, look, we're trying to train you. We're trying to discipline you. Because the world is going to come at you so much harder than anything in this house. And we want you to be mature. We want you to be ready to face anything. We want you to know that we as your parents want to help you persevere through anything that's going to come across your way. Church, that's the same thing God is trying to do with us. When he allows trials and discipline to come into our lives, he's training us, helping us to endure whatever it is is going to come across our way. And church, again, I'll be the first one to admit that in my mind, I I, I still sometimes have a hard time reconciling this, uh, especially as a pastor. Even as a pastor, we've been through so many different things in our lives. I mean, we've had a miscarriage. We've gone through bankruptcies. um, We have lost parents. uh, We have lost family members. And then not only that, outside of our lives, walking with people who have gone through some tragic situations in their life. Sometimes I still have a hard time reconciling this, that somehow this trial, somehow this pain has purpose in it. 
Because God is training you, disciplining you to love you like Christ and to be more like Christ. And the truth is God is doing a good work in the trial and he's doing a good work in you even in the pain. And that God does want to give good gifts to his children. He disciplines those who he loves. And have you ever thought that maybe your trial, maybe even though it's hard to see, maybe your trial could actually be a good gift from your heavenly father? Maybe what you're going through right now is him trying to mature you, but also give you something good, even though you can't see it right there in that moment. Because he is working something in you. As you go through that trial, he's building your character, he's building your perseverance, but he's also building a greater hope in him. In fact, that good work that he's doing in you is bringing glory to himself. James chapter 1. Verse 1. Look again at how James starts this passage. It says, James, a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, James is the half-brother of Jesus. Uh, many of you know the story of Jesus, and he was born of a virgin, his mother Mary. And, of course, the Holy Spirit uh, was the one who brought him into this world. Um, you know, he was born of a virgin, and then Joseph, his earthly father, adopted him. Um, and helped raise him as a carpenter, but he was the son of God. Uh, but Mary and Joseph did have other babies. They did have other children. In fact, they had um, have, uh, John chapter 5, John chapter 7, verse 5, notes that Jesus actually had brothers and sisters, and James was one of those people. And the scriptures also notice that his brothers and his sister, including James, did not believe that Jesus was the Christ did not believe that Jesus was God or that he was the savior of the world until after the resurrection. And James starts off this passage by saying, look, he is a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus is now Lord to him. And before he even gets into the truth of trials, he starts off by giving glory to his God and savior, Jesus Christ. In fact, all throughout James, you're going to see James point the glory to Jesus that is due to him. He's a servant of Jesus in everything. And in everything, James wants to submit his life to Christ and to give God the glory that he deserves. Even though he didn't know it before, he knew now that his life was to bring honor and glory to Christ. Even during the trials. In fact, James, as a brother of Jesus, as someone who trusted Christ as Lord, as someone who would lead the church in Jerusalem, lead many followers, many other people to become followers of Jesus and to trust in him, James himself would not escape trials. In fact, he would face persecution. In fact, church history shows that even up until the last moment, he himself would be going through a trial. In fact, he would suffer and die for following Jesus. But he knew the truth. He knew the truth that even in the trial, Jesus was going to be right there with him. I was going to help him persevere. But it was all about bringing glory to God. So what's the lie? When you follow Jesus, there are no trials and everything will work out the way that you want. But what's the truth? When you do follow Jesus, trials are actually a sign that God is doing a good work in you. But what's the choice? 
the choice that we can make, church, is to say, I will trust that Christ is making me whole. Even during the trials, I can trust that Christ is making me whole. Listen to again what James says in verse 4. He says, Let steadfastness have its full effect, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. Perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. Sometimes we are often looking for the quick way out of a trial. But sometimes we forget that even during the pain, God is working a process. In fact, it is a process that God wants to give us more grace. And he wants to use that to make us whole. Now, this isn't talking about being perfect as in, you know, being like the the perfect human being or anything like that. But what it's talking about is wholeness. It's talking about living authentically, trusting God even when life is painful. The type of trust that comes from knowing that even on the other side, what he's trying to do is to make you whole, to make you full. In fact, there's several promises all throughout Scripture that talks about the fullness that Christ has. This is his desire that he wants for us. Even through trials, even on the other side, he wants to make us whole. He wants to make us full. John chapter 15, verse 11. It says, these things I've spoken to you that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. Psalm chapter 16, verse 11. He says, you make known to me the path of life. In your presence there is fullness of joy. At your right hand there are pleasures forevermore. Colossians chapter 1, verses 9 through 14, where Paul writes, asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding. So as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him, bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might for all endurance and patience with joy. Giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. He has delivered us from the dominion, the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son in whom we have redemption and forgiveness of sins. In John chapter 10, verse 10, the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. All the enemy wants to do is to have you believe a lie. But Jesus wants to give you the truth. He wants you to know there is a choice. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. But this is the truth. Even if right now you are in the most painful season of your life, how many people know that you are either in a trial, coming out of a trial, or you're getting ready to go into one? In fact, church, church, I really hope that I'm not prophetic in this, but I just really feel like many of us are getting ready to step into a season of trials right now. But I want you to know the truth. Because even though the enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy, Jesus said, I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. So even through the most difficult circumstances, on the other side, 
why we can count it as all joy. Because God still wants us to experience and have life to the full. Even if it means once our life on earth here is over, we don't experience that joy till we are with him for eternity. Church, right now God is preparing us for a challenging season. But even right now, we can make a choice to live authentically even when trials come. As our worship team goes and makes their way back up to the stage, um, I want to maybe give you a couple steps that you can take, you can take on this, kind of push, push this truth and the choice a little bit deeper in you, okay? So here's some steps that you can take. Here are four steps that you can take. Uh, the first one is to trust His promises. As you go through a trial, all the scripture we just read, man, I would challenge you if even just one of those you memorized, um, you had written on your walls, you had it where you can pull up quickly. Because the first temptation when you go through a trial is to think, why me? God doesn't care about me. I'm not going to make it through this. But the truth is, there is joy in the trial. And whatever it is you're going through, God's going to help you persevere. That is what the truth is. So I want to challenge you to trust his promises. But also I want to challenge you to talk to your father. Man, don't stop praying to God. Don't stop asking him, God, what is it you're trying to teach me in this season that I'm in right now? God, what is it that I'm missing? God, is there something I even need to confess to you? God, is there something that I need to do that I haven't done yet? God, what are you trying to discipline me in right now? Don't stop talking to your father. And I want to challenge you to tell his people. Church, we have this community of believers for a reason. I guarantee you that what you're going through, what you will go through. You are not the only one that has been through that. You are not the only one that will go through that. And God has already brought somebody through that season, and he wants to, he wants to align you with them to bring you his comfort and his help and to show that you will persevere because if they made it through by his grace, you can make it through by his grace. So tell his people. And there's one that I didn't put on the screen for you today, but I want you to write this down. The last one is to tell the truth. So many times we end up believing the lie. But we ourselves believe those lies so much we start to tell lies. Right now you may be in a season of a trial because simply there is some truth that you need to tell. You need to tell your spouse a lie that you've been holding on to. You need to tell a coworker something that you've been lying to them about. There's a relationship right now is broken because you've been living that lie and telling that lie. But now is the season for you to tell the truth. Maybe you've even been lying to God, saying, God, you know what? I, I have a relationship with you, but everything in your life says the opposite. Maybe you've been lying to your friends in that way because you tell people, look, I'm a follower of Jesus, but everything in your life says the opposite. Maybe you've been telling lies and even living lies. But don't live in that lie, church. Live in the truth. Make the choice that in this season, and God wants to have you walk the walk and talk the talk and to live authentically in him. Father God, I thank you, Lord, for your word. God, I thank you for the reminder of who you are. Thank you, Jesus, that you are the way, the truth, and the life. Thank you, Jesus, that you said that it is the truth that will set us free, but Lord, we have to abide in you. God, I pray as, as, the, as, as sometimes our own sinful nature, even the world tries to push this life, we go through anything painful. God doesn't care about us. 
God, remind us of the truth that yes, you do want to bless us. Yes, you do want us to want to give us life to the full, but yes, we are gonna face many trials, various trials. God, we will go through painful seasons. But the good thing, Lord, is you are right there with us. And God, even in that, God, help us to make the choice that you are making us whole. God, you're doing something. God, you're helping us to persevere. You're building our character, God, and you are building a greater hope.